Welcome back to the show. This is Goose in the Morning, your podcast about our favorite football simulation, Deep Route, and I am your host, Coach Killer Goose, otherwise known as Coach Goose. And uh, it's a beautiful Friday afternoon, folks. I don't know what the weather's like where you're at, but here in Tennessee, it is a wonderful 85 degrees, sunny. Um, I'd prefer it to be a little cooler, but I can take it. And it's the first day of October. First day of October. I love October. To me, this is the beginning of the holiday season. And so we have Halloween coming up, which means I get to go through my yearly horror movie uh, extravaganza, I suppose. I plan on watching The Thing, like I mentioned a few weeks ago. I watch it every year during the Halloween season. Uh, And then if we're still here in Tennessee, I plan on giving out candy, uh, which will be... I've never done it before. I've never handed out candy to trick-or-treaters. If there even is trick-or-treaters this year, um, unfortunately, COVID is is coming back pretty strong. So I don't know if we're going to have a Halloween this year. But if not one of these future Halloweens, I'm going to be handing out candy, and I'm really excited for that. So uh, one major update, I guess, since we last spoke before we dive into the episode. I've been talking a lot about how I have been interviewing for a role because we're trying to move back to Oklahoma. Um, we're, we're both from, me and my wife, we're both from Oklahoma. We currently live in Nashville, and Nashville's great. It's been fun. The food scene here is is outstanding, but we really want to go back home. And so that's really what the catalyst was for my job search was. Because at my current role, while I love what I do, it's not a, my manager's not okay with me working remote. So, uh, we had to, we had to go searching and I mentioned I was in the interview process and I am absolutely thrilled, elated, whatever word you would like to use to describe my emotion to announce that I received a job offer and I've accepted it. So that means that we are now preparing to move back to Oklahoma. We're going to make sure that it's a remote job. And so I don't have to be in an office anymore, fully remote, So my car is thanking me for that uh, because right now my commute is one hour, one direction. So um, my car will be thanking me for that. And so that also gives us some flexibility to take our time. We can take our time with getting everything packed and uh, going back to Oklahoma. It doesn't have to be a rush. So I I wanted to let you guys know that update that I did receive the job and um, we're moving back to Oklahoma. So we're both really excited. Just just really excited. And speaking of excitement, it's week four in the NFL. And as you all know, I'm a big Cincinnati Bengals fan. And last night, the Bengals played the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, on Thursday night football. And, it, you know, I thought it was going to be a typical letdown game. Um Zach Taylor, he's coming into his third season with the Bengals. And I guess to put it lightly, he hasn't had a lot of success. I mean, he's looked like he's the worst coach in the National Football League. Um, I think he's, I think before this season, he had won six games, six games in two seasons, just looked rough. 
but right now, the Cincinnati Bengals are 3-1. and one. They beat the Jacksonville Jaguars last night. And I want to say that Joe Burrow played quite possibly the best half of football that I've personally seen out of him and quite possibly the best half of football that I have seen, period, from an NFL quarterback in, in quite some time. Um, the Bengals went down 14 to nothing, and they actually went into halftime down 14 nothing, And then uh, they came out in the second half, and Joe was something ridiculous, uh, like 18 of 20 for 253 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, he finished the night... 300 and uh, 330 some odd yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I think he took one sack. So, absolutely fantastic game, and he looks like he looks like the Joe Burrow from LSU. That swagger, that confidence that he had. Uh, you can tell that he's getting more confident on that knee, and he was moving around, making people miss, throwing on the run, audibling at the line, just doing an an absolute absolutely phenomenal job. And there was a quote from. Uh, CJ Uzama, uh, Uzoma, Uzoma, Uzama, and he's so late in the game. Cincinnati was was driving to try to go down and kick the game-winning field goal, and Joe Burrow made a he audibled at the line, and they threw a jailbreak screen to their tight end CJ Uzama, and there was a quote that CJ had after the game saying that when Joe made the audible, he just looked at him and winked, and. Uh, CJ was just like, holy shit, you know, this guy's the most confident, most confident guy out here. He's the smartest guy out here. The reason that Joe made that audible, according to Joe, is that the defensive coordinator from, or the defensive coordinator for the Jaguars has a Baltimore Ravens background. And he knew the tendencies that Baltimore had from studying them and playing them last year. And so he knew what the, I don't know if I want to say he knew, but he knew or he had a strong hunch what the defensive play call was going to be based up on their uh, what he was reading pre-snap. And uh, he audibled into something that had, a, had the best chance of working, I suppose. And uh, it did. The jailbreak screen worked phenomenally. I think it was a 20-yard catch and run. And the Bengals went down and kicked the game-winning field goal with no time left. So super excited. It was a wonderful game. And it's been a long, long time since I've been this excited about Cincinnati Bengals football, probably since 2015. Uh, so I wanted to share that tidbit. I wanted to talk some real football before we got into fake football. And without further ado, let's talk about Deep Route. And right now we're in the 21-23 offseason. So what happened at the end of 21-22? Well, those greedy folks down in Dallas took home another Super Bowl trophy, not sharing with the less fortunate up here in Oklahoma and around the world. Uh, it, it was a rematch of last year's game. So Dallas and Freight Train played, and phenomenal game. I mean, let's just start there. Whenever you get two teams of this caliber, especially two coaching staffs of this caliber, you're looking at Coach Will, Coach PSU, and Coach Matt, it really doesn't get much better than that. Um, I mean, just guys that understand the game system down to a T almost, and their play calls are so optimized, and you watch the the, the rosters that they've built go out there. Daryl Smith, I mean, I'm not even really going to talk about him because he had a phenomenal 
regular season, but he wasn't the one that brought home the hardware. We're talking about cyberpunk's legend, David Barlow. David Barlow came off the bench, rubbed his arthritic knees, rotated his shoulders, you know, trying to loosen up, and he went out there and fucking threw to the tune of one Super Bowl victory. Absolutely ridiculous. And he's in his, I mean, this is a guy that's in his late, in, in the late stages of his career. He's in uh, mid-30s, 35, which for a deep route player is, is, is geriatric. I mean, we're not talking about, we're not talking about Tom Brady going out there and beating Father Time himself and playing until he's 44. That doesn't happen in deep route. Let me just start right there. Most players in deep route, once they hit 34 or 35, you're done. I mean, you you don't want them on their roster. You don't want them on the roster. And, man, David Barlow went out there and just played like vintage Barlow. Absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal quarterback. Player, he's had a wonderful career. Uh, he's been instrumental in every single one of their Super Bowl victories, and and this was no different. As a coach that's played a lot of games against David Barlow, the hardest part is really getting to him. Dallas has always done a fantastic job of protecting Barlow, but aside from that, whenever you can get through their their offensive line, Barlow is a mobile guy. Now, he's not as mobile as he used to be, but given where he's at in his career, he's still dangerous. I mean, he's, he's, he's mobile enough to where he can roll out of the pocket, extend plays, and, and throw on the run, and just, just make things happen. You'll hear commentators refer to it as, as backyard football, and he's great at it. And there was a play during the Super Bowl that I think embodied this. Dallas traded for Roy Noman. Um, fantastic athlete, great receiving back, and Dallas historically has utilized their running backs in, in such a way uh, to, to get the most value out of them. They, they like the receiving backs. This is a trend that's actually taking off throughout the league, and it just makes sense. You want to find, you, you want to get the most value that you can out of your players, and Dallas has always done a really good job of that. So they traded for Roy, and uh, this was a play early on. I, th- I think in the first quarter, it may have even been on the first drive or th- their first possession, but Barlow took the snap and uh, he was looking, looking. Nobody was getting open. Pressure started getting through, and so he started rolling out to his left. The pressure was coming from the right side. The right tackle got beat, and so he started rolling out to his left. And as a right-handed quarterback, one of the more difficult throws, or maybe a throw that's just going to be more difficult, is, is going to be when you're rolling out to your left and you're having to throw on the run. Uh, it's just an awkward positioning, and so Barlow was rolling out towards the sideline, and out it was out, rolling out to the left, and he just threw a dart to Roy Noman about ten yards down the field, and uh, Noman stopped, made a man miss, and then he just scooted right up the sideline for a touchdown, and it's just it's it's one of those things that you just keep expecting him to. Just fall off. Just stop. And Dallas has done this quarterback carousel thing for quite some time. They're, they're trying to make sure that they get their guys' XP bonus wherever they can. And uh, and obviously, whenever they get down into the playoffs, they, they still believe that Barlow's got what it takes. He's, he's the guy they want to turn to. And it's for plays like that. I mean, he's able to escape the pressure, throw on the run, and hit his target perfectly. It's just, yeah, So obviously... 
they're fantastic coaches over there. They have great game plans. But sometimes you just got to give credit to the players. And Barlow made the play that needed to be made right there to get the touchdown. So I don't think we've seen the last of him yet. He's 35. And if you watch tape from when he was younger and compare it to now, yeah, he's lost a little zip on the ball. He can't make some of the throws that he used to make. But he's still plenty dangerous. He completed 66% of his balls uh, for... 800 yards, seven touchdowns, two picks, 96 quarterback rating, and more important, most importantly, he, he brought home the, the championship. So what do you do? You have to concoct some kind of game plan to get by what Dallas is doing. And it's a lot easier said than done. I mean, if, if it was that easy, then everybody would be doing it. You know, they, they like to they, – they certainly love their mismatches. They're going to try to get their, their – superior athletes on your linebackers they're going to try to get their superior athletes on your safeties wherever they can get a positional mismatch they're going to feast on it and this is i mean this isn't like we're dealing with some scrub team freight train obviously was the reigning super bowl champion and they have a phenomenal team daniel pyatt over there is a hall of fame mvp caliber quarterback but Dallas did what they've always done, and they've just exploited mismatches, particularly Roy Noman on freight train linebacker Luis Mitchell. That's actually who Noman beat for the aforementioned touchdown where, uh, where Barlow was rolling out to his left. Mitchell just isn't the, he's not the kind of athlete that can keep up with somebody like Roy, and, and it, it showed. And I don't mean this as a dig on Luis, not at all. He's a fantastic young linebacker. He's young. That is that's something I really want to point out. He's a young player. This is his... He's now, We're in 21-23 now, so he's going into his third season, and he's not, a, he's not a bad athlete, but you have to understand the matchup you're looking at there. He's not that kind of athlete, and uh, Dallas was able to exploit that and really just put a thumping on freight train the halftime score was 24 to nothing freight train had a massive fourth quarter they had a 21 uh, 24 point fourth quarter to to get to the final score of 49 32 and one thing that i hate is saying garbage touchdowns because i don't think that i don't think those are garbage touchdowns I mean, it definitely makes the game more competitive. In those situations, if if freight train were to come back and win, you wouldn't say that they won off of garbage touchdowns. They won. They, I mean, the game is played for four quarters for a reason. So, it, but it definitely did make the game look a little bit closer than maybe it was, at least from the perspective of the first half. First half was just all Dallas. They rolled. And then Freight Train came out, made some halftime, uh, uh, some adjustments at halftime, and they were able to be much more competitive in the second half. They put up 32 points in in the third and fourth quarter combined. So, just a rough day, a rough day particularly for Daniel Pyatt. And I think that that speaks to the caliber of player that he is. He, he didn't have a bad game by any stretch. He was 35 of 63 for 371 yards, three touchdowns, and he threw a pick, sacked a couple times. Not a bad stat line. The efficiency is maybe a little less than what you're hopeful for, but he certainly didn't play bad. Brandon Sugar had a incredible game. I mean, he was the 
I feel like he was really the only one on the offense that was producing in any consistent manner. He finished with 11 catches on 17 targets for 152 yards and one touchdown. Um, but it's just to the to the expectations that a team like Freight Train has, or to a player like Daniel Pyatt, the expectations that he has of himself. It was just a rough day. Daniel's uh, Daniel's <laughs> Dallas's defense was was really just able to get after him, confuse him, make him uncomfortable, get him a little bit off balance, and uh, they were able to build a, a very comfortable lead going into the second half where they were able to not, necess- not necessarily play conservatively. I don't, I don't think the Dallas brass believe in playing conservatively necessarily, necessarily. They did. I mean, they started toting the ball more in the second half. But when you've got a 24-point lead you can you, you feel good you feel better about it and so um yeah speaking of Daniel Pyatt there was a quote that he had in the post-game presser where he was very um I mean, he was very complimentary of what Dallas was doing on defense particularly of one play this was in the fourth quarter and it was a situation where when it rains it pours this was a uh, Dallas was up 38-16 at this point and uh, right around the seven-minute mark, first and ten for the freight for the for the freight train, and Daniel Pyatt tried to throw a quick pass out to George Ball, and Dallas had signed a veteran corner last season, uh, last season named Ernest Strickland, and he's been in the league for this would be his thirteenth year, I believe he's a free agent right now. They did not re-sign his contract, but all of that to say, he has the experience, he's seen it all, he knows some of the tendencies of of teams around the league and this was a situation where his veteran savvy really paid off but Payet tried to throw a quick pass out to George Ball and and Strickland was able to just jump it and uh and pick it off and it was one of those things after the interception Payet just he just put his hands on his hips and looked at him and then looked at the ground and just you have to accept your fate and he was very complimentary of of the defense the defensive game plan and the uh, the intelligence of the defensive players, particularly of, of Ernest, because it, it was just they they were building up a little bit of confidence. And to me, the game was probably it was salted at that point. I don't think that freight train was coming back. But you have seven minutes, and we play in a wacky fucking football simulation. You never know what's going to happen. And that right there is the kind of play that really just just puts the nail in the coffin. I mean, that is the backbreaker if if you have to find one. The backbreaker in reality was probably the first quarter, but with the confidence that they were building, that was that was the backbreaker. Throwing that pick to Ernest Strickland, and that was uh, the fat lady was was singing, and she had an operatic voice. So congratulations again to the Dallas Cyberpunks. And I want to extend congratulations out to the freight train as well. Coach Matt, he's, he's doing a phenomenal job. He's built a great team. And they are year in, year out, Super Bowl contenders, highly competitive. Congratulations to you both. And good luck in the 21-23 season. So now that we're here in 21-23... We've we've gone through the first round of free agency. We've also had some trades. So it's been fairly active on the on the trade scene, um, especially by yours truly, Oklahoma Outlaws. We are typically not 
a very active team when it comes to trading. But I, I, re- I recognize that some moves needed to be made. We had an awful defense last year. The offense wasn't the problem at all. We were able to score points. We just weren't able to stop folks from scoring them. And so uh, I, I had some tough decisions to make. I didn't like where my secondary was at. I had a strong player and Frank Harris. He was a linebacker, superstar linebacker. Uh, but given where the league is at, I made the decision to trade away Frank Harris. We traded for Francisco Gardner from the Montreal Megalodons. So we have a new addition to the secondary. Everybody welcome Francisco Gardner. And then we also traded for a uh, offensive tackle, James Ivey. This was, this was a tough decision because that meant that we had to let Jose Floto go. James Ivey was one of the most sought-after free agent acquisitions. He was signed by the Washington Qs, and then there was some discussion, uh, and, and finally a, a deal was reached to send James Ivey over to Oklahoma for a second-round draft pick in 21-24. Um, and then James Wilson, the, the star receiver for the Outlaws. Over the last four seasons, he's averaged over 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns. We sent him to the Montreal Megalodons as well for a third-round pick, trying to offload some, uh, trying to offload some money there, as well as we, we need to get some snaps for uh, Paul Valenza and Christopher Gill. Christopher Gill has played well enough to earn a starting spot, and uh, looking towards the future, it's just going to be more beneficial if we can get Gill. The, the snaps that he needs in order to get that bonus. So uh, we've been fairly active, and some of the other teams have been as well. Dallas has made several trades, and and by several, I guess I mean two. They, they've, they've made two trades. They traded for William Miller and Long Richmond, a uh, safety, William Miller, cornerback, Long Richmond. They sent a third-round pick for those, and then they also swapped first-rounders, um, kind of. They gave... Kanata, their 21-23 first rounder in exchange for Kanata's 21-24 first rounder. So uh, they've had some activity. Montreal has been very active. Like I mentioned, I've traded uh, my I've traded a Frank Harris and a pick over to them. I traded James Wilson to them. They also had a trade. I just saw it. Yeah, they traded for Joseph Flynn and Nicholas Winker. Uh, Joseph Flynn is a tackle. Nicholas Winker is, or Winkler, is a linebacker. They traded for Michael Jennings from Richmond. Uh, Coach QD has been very active in, in the trade scene, along with Kanata. Kanata has been very active as well. And to be honest with you, I really like their aggressiveness. They've, they've traded for Jose Washington, who is a receiving back. They traded, they got him from Montreal. They traded for some guard depth and Joshua Taylor, and they picked up a second-round pick from the Yankee Doodle Dandies, which Yankee Doodle Dandies are a brand-new team. Everybody, welcome back, Coach Brian. That's all I got for you. Welcome back, Coach Brian. Um... Yeah, so they traded for Joshua Taylor and a second-round pick. They, they've been aggressive. They swapped picks with Dallas. I like what I like what Coach Sijon is doing over there. I, I, again, he, I mean, he we got into the playoffs. We had our rematch. He absolutely thumped me. And so it's not like I'm in a position to talk a bunch of shit. Uh, but no, for real, he's doing a great job. That team's looking strong. Love the aggressiveness in the trade market. And it's been a very healthy trade market. Uh, teams have been active. Not as active as recent years, but still active enough that there's plenty of storylines to, to talk about. And um, 
and, and be interested in. Particularly from my side, James Wilson, it, tough loss. You know, everybody likes to look at Frank Harris, but he's he's a guy that, while he's immensely talented, he struggled with injuries. He never stayed healthy. Um, as a matter of fact, he was a first-round pick for me, and so he was here for five seasons, and the only season he played every game was his rookie season. He just struggled with injuries. He really did. Immensely talented player. He had over 100, 100 tackles this year. I think he had 11 tackles for loss. And he's a, he was a force in coverage. But for the contract he was asking for, I simply couldn't justify the amount of money. Uh, I, I couldn't justify that amount of money for a guy that is just not available. It would have been great to have him in the playoffs. Really would have been. Maybe I did have him. No, I think I'd lost him. I think I'd lost him by that point. I don't think he played in our playoff game. Um, but James Wilson is a, he's a tough loss. He's been a, he's been a staple, a consistent producer since taking over the starting role four or five years ago. And, uh, just a great guy. I mean, I can't say enough about him and, uh, we had spoken to him. He understood what was going on and we really worked hard to try to get him somewhere that he wanted to go. And he mentioned Montreal was one of his top locations. And so when we had the opportunity to pull the trigger and send him up to the Great White North, it, it, it made sense. I wanted to do right by him. And uh, I wanted to get him somewhere where he could finish his career out. Because he just wasn't in the plans. I mean, we need to get Christopher Gill some game time. And I thought that was the best way to do it. Uh, keeping with the wide receiver storylines, looking at Michael Jennings. Michael Jennings was a... Richmond staple. He's had over a thousand yards in each of the last five seasons. He's only 29. He's a first round pick out of Fresno State. Um, I mean, a, a ring of honor caliber player. He was instrumental in their Super Bowl win two seasons ago. And I, I know that Coach Playa had a hard time letting somebody like Michael Jennings go. You get those guys that have been with your team for that long, they become solid locker room guys. They become leaders on the team. And then you get into a situation where the business side of, of managing a football team comes out and you you have to send them elsewhere. And it just makes you sick to your stomach. It really does. It, it eats you up. You get to love these guys. And uh, you just want to do right by them. You want to send them somewhere where they're going to find some success. And it, if he's going to find success anywhere, it's going to be with Montreal. They have a great offensive system down there that's going to utilize Jennings in a way that that he should be happy with. And then you have a guy like Ollie Williams being traded from the Boilermakers. And, and Ollie Williams is one of those unicorn-type wide receivers. Despite the... Well, boiler the Boilermakers have had some... They've had some success in recent years. Uh, but whether they're successful or not, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. So despite team success, Ollie Williams has consistently put up strong numbers. He had over 2,100 yards, I believe, a few seasons ago. Almost uncoverable. He's had some injury struggles past two seasons. Uh, so in 21-21, he only played six games. Last season, he only played 12. Uh, both seasons, he was, at, he was running at a good clip. And, uh, yeah, it, it's another situation that is insane to see a guy with that much talent be traded away to the brand new Yankee Doodle Dandies. So Coach Brian has himself a top-tier target, and, and Ollie Williams is particularly interesting. He's, he's 27 years old. He is young, a top-10 pick, and a uh, little bit of a diva 
to be honest with you. And my, that might be because he knows that he knows that he's the shit. He's on a team that hasn't had a whole bunch of team success during his career, and he's been the main attraction. And he lets you know how good he is. Uh, he's famous for his antics. I think that's the best way to put it. He's famous for his antics. We're talking touchdown celebrations. He created a list of corners that weren't able to cover him. He's always talking that shit. And just a few seasons ago, he sent a uh, he sent the Leonia Lemurs. He sent their secondary a bottle of Pepto Bismol because they were going to get sick trying to cover him. And there was a note that so eloquently said, "Y'all are fucking bums." So I mean, he's. He, He's an interesting guy, and he is a very entertaining guy. I'll say that. And one thing that Brian has seemed to be able to do in the past is he's been able to put offensive attacks together. And so you add a you add a character like Ollie Williams into the mix. Uh, not only is he a phenomenally, just immensely talented wide receiver, but he's got some personality. He's got some spice to back up to back up what he's what he's saying, what he's doing. So it should be entertaining to see what the plan is down there with the Yankee Doodle Dandies. Makes me want to sing when I say that. Yankee Doodle Dandies. So it'll be fascinating. They're a team to watch. Uh, the Yankee Doodle Dandies have joined the division of the Blue Bay Bonk Dogs, the Verdun Vultures, and the Washington Qs. So he, did, he has his work cut out for him. It's a tough division. Verdun is is consistently a top-tier team. Blue Bay is a surprise team from this past season. Um, I, I want to give a coach a uh, shout-out to Coach Inset. He had his first playoff appearance in over a decade this past season. And Blue Bay was for real. We're not talking about some fluke season where... Uh, a light schedule or whatever led them to the, or being in a weak division led them to the playoffs. No, they were beating quality teams and were a legit team. So big props to Blue Bay. Uh, very impressive. Whatever he's doing down there, whatever changes he's made to the roster or the game plan, it's worked. That is a quality team and it's a team that you really have to worry about if you're in the NFC North. So, all of this begs the question, what's next? What's coming up? Well, we have the draft coming up. That's the next biggest event or the next big event. And uh, I personally like the draft. There is some there's some supreme talent at offensive line positions, pass rushing positions, uh, wide receiver. There's some good corners. I, I like the draft. Now, one thing that deep route tends to do is it, t- it tends to produce a lot of top tier wide receivers. Uh, so you're looking at guys like Monty Kubitz, Otis Lilly, uh, Stanley Keim, John Everson, Johnny Briscoes. Uh, as far as offensive line talent, you're looking at guys like Jeffrey Prather, Todd Holm, Patrick Bandesock, Jason Smith. And then at pass rushing positions, you're looking at Dale Nelson, defensive end out of the Southern University. Uh, Michael Carpenter, defensive tackle out of Minnesota. Jerry Muse out of the USC. Uh, so there's there's definitely some some top tier guys there. Some of the other positions are a little bit light, such as quarterback. I, I don't really think there's a lot of quarterback talent coming out this season. Uh, maybe some guys that could develop into something down the road. It was a it was a path that we explored here in Oklahoma because our incumbent starter, if you remember, we uh, we signed 
undrafted free agent Mark Knightum to our active roster. And really, he played well. We signed him, and he took over the starting role in Week 8. And over the over the final eight games, he was averaging 360 yards passing. He threw 22 touchdowns, eight interceptions. And after the season ended, he walked into my office and he said, Coach, I think I'm going to hang him up. And I said, why, son? What's going on? Will you talk to me? And he said, well, I got a job offer from Cavender's Western Wear to be a boot model. And I just can't pass it up. You know, I'm out here throwing a football around, getting the shit beat out of me when I can be making good money to just put boots on and show off my legs. And I was, I was flabbergasted. I, I don't understand. But he, he hung him up. He retired. And so we were left without a quarterback. I mean, we had Charles Robinson, but he's, don't let him know this, but he's, he's a career backup. He's not a guy that's going to come in and, and lead us anywhere. So we really had to figure things out. We, we looked at a possible avenue through the draft. We didn't like what we saw. And so we ended up dipping into the free agency pool and signing Leonardo Herral. Leonardo Herral. I don't know. How do you want to say it? It's fun. Herral. Herral. However you want to say it. But Leonardo, we signed Leonardo, and we've been running him through the ringer, trying to get him comfortable with the offense. And we thought that that was the best option just because the, the quarterback talent in the draft simply isn't, isn't up to snuff. But if you're looking for supporting cast, wide receivers, tight ends, defensive ends, defensive tackles, tackles, uh, there's one guard that looks like he could be – there's one good guard. Um, other than that, I didn't think that the, the guard talent was – was particularly impressive. Um, but all of that to say, there's good talent. This is a good draft. There's a lot of talented players coming out. So make sure you set your draft boards and get ready for the 21-23 season. Folks, this is all I have. It's a little shorter than normal. Regardless, I hope you enjoyed. As always, these are a blast for me to make, and I love having a fan base that enjoys listening to them. So I hope the next week goes well. I hope your preparations for the 21-23 season go well. Good luck in your scrims. Good luck in your playbook building. Good luck in real life over the next week. Just a quick update. I am going on a fishing trip in two weeks, so that's the weekend of the 15th. So there will be no episode that week. Um but I plan on dropping another episode next week as we get ready for kickoff of 2123. Folks, have a wonderful night. Enjoy your weekend. Be safe. And I will be talking to you very, very soon.